One of the mistakes that human beings make is believing that there is only one way. There couldn't possibly be just one way. The Christians and non-Christians, the Muslims go to heaven. Yes, they do. When someone comes up and says something like, I am a God, everybody says, who does he think he is? I just told you who I thought I was, a God. God is based on love. It's I love you first, regardless of what you do. The person of Christ is my way to understand uh, God. Glory be to God. I claim the victory in the name of the Lord. Let's go. One nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. I am very excited to jump into our brand new series, The Truth About. I want to give a great big shout out to Elk River and Maple Grove campus as well as Spring Lake Park. Give it up for everybody on all three of our campuses. Woo. I am honored and blessed to be a part of a church that loves God, loves the Word of God, loves the presence of God, loves each other. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of things to complain about, but being a pastor at Emmanuel is not one of them. I'm very, very grateful to be a part of the story of what God is doing, not only in our services and our ministries, but in individual lives and families. I know the best is still yet to come. God's not done with you and God's not done with our church. Can I get an amen? So let's get, in, let's get ready. I want you to sit up straight if you can. Be ready to, to listen to what we're going to talk about. If you've got notes, get the paper out or on your phone to take the notes. That's not to text somebody else. That's just to, to take notes. Uh, and get ready for what we're going to talk about is really important. I don't think there's been a more important time than this time to talk about what truth is and what truth isn't. And to consider what we base our reality on. I mean, 2017 is a freaky, crazy time to live in. We don't even know if the news is real anymore. There's fake news and there's stories that go viral. Then we found out later on that those stories weren't true. And, and we're like, what do we believe in? To the degree that I think it's having an impact on our social interactions. We're hesitant to believe other people. We're questioning authority. We're really doubting others in, in, in the side-by-side coworker, co-student type of categories. And, and it's, it's impacting us because when we don't know what the truth is, we don't know what we can trust. And so really the issue is what do you trust? And in the absence of a clear trust, thing to trust in. We are in a place where we'll believe anything, we'll believe nothing. And then we feel insulated and we are fretful, we're perhaps worried or filled with anxiety about how do we make it in our culture? How do we make it in this day and age? We have to find reliable sources for how we live and we parent and how we love. And this is what I want you to catch. Our actions are the result of our beliefs. So whatever we believe in will have a significant impact on our lives. People don't just go sin. They sin because they believe certain things. It's a belief and it impacts how they act. Our journeys are all wrapped up in our kind of story of origin, how we grew up, what we went through. For me, I grew up in a house where my mom and dad were Godly people, they loved the Lord, they, they prayed at the table uh, every day, they read the word, they, they weren't perfect, but 
I had to be in church every single week and, and I was disciplined and I was challenged to live a good life as many people would, but perhaps you didn't grow up in that environment. Maybe you learned your truth through experience because you didn't have that kind of perfect family and maybe your experience was different than mine. But all of us, as we grow, we begin to learn not only from our family unit, from our parents, but we also begin to learn from our peers and from our schools. And so in the elementary years, teachers have a lot of influence on kids' lives and they can determine and and declare things that the kids will just believe. This is one plus one really does equal two, right? And uh, they just believe it. It's simple belief. But by the time we move into middle school years, we begin to adapt and change. What we trust and what we believe in kind of broadens. I used to teach adolescent psychology and development at North Central University. And one of the things that we talk about is that when kids enter the time period of middle school and then into high school, peers take on, their peer group takes on even more value. What their friends say about them means more than what their parents say about them. When they're young, the kids in their elementary years, they're like, whatever mom and dad says is the right thing. By the time they get into middle school, everything mom and dad says is the wrong thing. I'm gonna know what I'm talking about. And they, the value of our peer group, and then, then the awareness as we grow into high school age is we become more independent. We begin to develop our own beliefs about ourselves and about other people around us, how the world works together whether or not we're gonna be confident and we have a future and there's something good about us or we think that there's something flawed about us and it goes deeply inside of us. And then, uh, you know, there are other peer groups that have an influence. I remember playing on the football team in high school and and as I was playing, I had a lot of uh, classmates that were on the football team that they didn't live for Jesus, if you know what I'm saying. And they talked a lot about doing certain things. I don't know if they actually did those things, but they talked in the locker room about a lot of things. And I was, I was beginning to form my own beliefs and I started going, well, is my mom and dad right? Or are my friends right? What do I believe? And then I went off to college and I went to community college. And when I went to Grand Rapids Junior College, it was called at the time, I would go there and I'd go to class and none of my teachers were from a biblical worldview. In fact, they began to teach things that were contrary to what I'd been taught growing up. And as I sat there as a student, I started questioning what I believed, what did I think? And at first I was angry at the teacher, but then I went, well, maybe they know something I don't know. And then as I grew older and I had good godly community around me, I actually transferred out to North Central Bible College, it was called at the time. Then I was reinforced again with some of the values that I had with greater learning experiences to understand, man, there's more than one way to look at the picture. That though my mom and dad were right, there were different ways to look at it and I didn't have to abandon my faith in order to understand a broader universe. Church, I want you to understand that you and I are are products of the journeys that we're on. What you believe and what I believe is in large part determined by the story of our life. Each of us have come from different vantage points. And we might look at a person on the other side of the room and go, why do they have it better than me? And sometimes it's just a matter of they grew up in a different family with a different set of values and they somehow learned something you haven't learned yet. It doesn't mean you can't learn it or there's something wrong with your DNA. They just have a different experience than you. 
And when it comes to the church of Jesus Christ, I believe that God pulls us together from all the fabrics of, of, of our life, of our culture, and people from every, everybody feels dysfunctional, okay? But when you come into the family of God, God begins to pull you in, and you have an opportunity to discover something you can trust and something that you can believe in. It's truth. Truth is that which is true or in accordance with fact or reality. See, we develop our thoughts and our truths by listening to the voices around us. And if we choose reliable sources, things will go well for us. But if we don't, they won't. And the most reliable voice in the world that I know of is called the Word of God, the Bible. Can I get an amen? Amen. Today I want to show a quick video that's actually from our Alpha partners. Alpha is a ministry that works with churches around the world. We have an Alpha ministry here within Emmanuel where uh, it's a conversational approach to understanding who Jesus is, what the Word of God is, and what it means for us. And uh, Alpha, it will be starting up right after Easter again. If you want to sign up for it, you can. But it's really designed for those that are curious about the faith. And they're trying to figure it out. They come from different backgrounds and different voices and different inputs about what truth is. And we gather together around round tables. We have a meal. And then we have a facilitator at tables. And people could ask the real questions. No question is a bad question. Every question is, is, is okay. And people can work through their questions in a safe environment. And many, many people have actually found true faith in Jesus along the way. So why don't you go ahead and watch this video with me and uh, we'll be right back. Have I ever read the Bible? No. Yes. I read parts of the Bible. As a kid, I did. I used to have like our own like special ones. We used to have like the child Bibles with like Jesus and like the kids and sit under a tree and stuff like that. Like in elementary school, we read it, yeah. I've skimmed it. Yeah, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, <laughs> the other guys. <laughs> Another one about that guy in his colorful clothes. Um... Do I think the Bible is relevant? I think uh, parts of it are definitely relevant, but a lot of it might be a little bit out of date. I honestly don't remember anything from the Bible. I think the lessons that it teaches are relevant, yeah. It's relevant today, for, maybe for some people, but not me. I think the Bible is inspirational and kind of frustrating at times. In the 18th century, the French philosopher Voltaire predicted that the Bible would become a museum piece within a hundred years of his lifetime and replaced by more advanced philosophies. But today, the Bible remains the most popular book in the world, the most successful literary creation of all time. Each year, over 100 million Bibles are sold or given away. The YouVersion Bible app has been downloaded over 200 million times. The Bible is the best-selling book of the year, every year. In fact, it's so popular that it's excluded from weekly bestseller lists. The Bible would be the top seller every single week, week in, week out. So, if it's the Bible, and the Bible is important, and it's lasted this long, it's not for no reason, it's the bestseller, and it's lasted all these thousands of years because it's been proved true. It's as if it were tested positive for truth. Come on, somebody. 
There is truth in the Bible. And I want to talk to you about it today because the Bible not only is the best-selling book, but it's important to you and me. You see, the Bible has been translated into 2,200 different languages and dialects. There's over 40 authors that contributed to the Bible over a span of 1,600 years. There are 66 books in here, 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. And all of them have been shaped and formed in the context of real-life people. Each letter was inspired by God and it was sent to a group of people describing events that really happened on the earth and then gave advice and wisdom for what to do with their lives. It was so powerful that it wasn't restricted to just that time period. It's relevant today. It actually works in 2017. So in an age of fake news and craziness going around us, new things popping up every five seconds on Twitter or on, on Facebook or some other place, we need to know this. The most reliable source may be the oldest source, the Bible. Can I get an Amen. The Bible has stood the test of time. Why is the Bible so special? All scripture, 2 Timothy chapter 3 says, all scripture is inspired by who? Now, I've been inspired by Jody. She inspires me. I've been inspired by other heroes and leaders. I'm inspired by the Michigan basketball team who won yesterday or going to the Big Ten Championship today. I'm inspired by a lot of things, but I'm most um, if I'm going to say what would be the greatest thing of all, is my life inspired by God. This is what it says. It says, it was inspired by who? By God. And is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. It's inspired by God. And NIV says it's God breathed. I love that because you know what else God breathed into? Dust. And he created humanity. The scripture is useful to teach us what is what? True. It says there. It's useful to teach us what is true. If you want to know what is true, trustworthy in this day and age, you can learn it from the Bible. It teaches us what is true. Anywhere you look in the Bible, you will find something leading you towards actual truth. And it teaches us to do what is right. Now, there's a lot of information. There's more information available today than there's ever been. More Wikipedia pages and links to different options for information about anything. You can watch a YouTube video on how to do about anything. Isn't that true? But that doesn't teach you how to do what is right. And if you want to learn how to do what is right, not just get information, you can learn it from the word, from the Bible. The Bible, though, is in a competition for our source as truth. See, the Bible isn't the only thing we're drawing from. There are other things coming at us that are trying to pull us away towards other truths, fake news, if you will. Satan in the garden, it says that, as the serpent was going up to tempt Adam and Eve, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. And one day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? You know what he was doing? He was questioning the Bible. 
He was questioning the word of God. God had told them to not eat from a certain tree. God's words had been spoken to them. And Satan came along and he wanted to twist the words or question the words of God. How many know that nowadays, that's exactly what the devil's still trying to do. He's trying to question what the word really says. Did he really say that? See, he's clever. He tries to make things that are wrong look like they're right. In 2 Corinthians 11, it says, For Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. He, he likes to present himself as the truth. Let me just say this. Even people, sometimes there are people that weave themselves in, start tending a church, and they're not really saved, they're not following the truth, but their whole desire is to hook somebody in a relationship or to get them off track. I've watched it. I used to be a youth pastor, and I watched these boys come to my youth group because they wanted the girls in my youth group. Now, I'm not into missionary dating, hello. And as a shepherd, there were times I'd have to call it out and, and speak to them. And I did find that many people did come to faith in Jesus Christ. But they had an alternative motive for being involved. Satan has an alternative motive for your life. He wants to twist news and truth and things you know to get you to believe something other than what God has said. He wants to twist it and manipulate you. Satan likes to take a, make a distortion look like the truth. He acts like he's the real thing, but, but he is a counterfeit. He's a counterfeit. And his intent is to steal, kill, and destroy. Not only is Satan out there to try to get us away from the word and in competition with the word, but our culture around us is as well. You remember the Babylonian times when in the book of Daniel when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went to all the right schools, learned, and by the way, I don't think God's afraid of us having our education from the public school systems and that kind of thing. If our life is founded on the word, we can make it, okay? They learned all the best education, but there, were, there was a moment at which the king said with a, that, that everyone in the land had to bow before this great statue, and it violated the truth because in the truth, in the word, the word had been spoken and these young Hebrew boys knew it, that I can do those things, but I can only worship one God. I can only worship one God. I can't bow before other graven images. It was right in the 10 commandments. And so they knew they could not do it. And the culture around them was putting pressure on them to bow. I think in 2017, there was great cultural pressure to force us to bow to things that are not the truth. Something is happening. It's as if culture has moved against the Bible like never before. Everyone's ideas are pushing against our truth. In the last 10 years, the amount of people questioning the Bible and what it declares to be truth has mushroomed. And it's almost as if it's like the days that Isaiah declared when he looked and God spoke and he said, what sorrow for those who say that evil is good and good is evil, that dark is light and light is dark, that bitter is sweet and sweet is bitter. What sorrow. Other translations say, woe unto those people. Watch out. Friends, I don't know of another time in the last 10 years, how much of our culture has looked at the actual truth of the Bible and declared it to be a false lie. 
and then presented their own lie as if it were the truth. We've got to know the word in order to know the difference between the truth and the lie. It's fighting against us. And then we've got our own arrogance, our own pride that sometimes fights the word of God. We think we know what's right. Scripture says that a man thinks in his heart he's got the right way, but its end leads to death. And our own arrogance is fighting against founding our life on the truth. And if we chase the culture, or we chase our own ignorance and our own pride, or we listen to the voice of the enemy who is saying, did God really say, then we are in danger. Or we can learn to listen to what the truth of the word of God says and found our life on it. Listen to how Jesus says it in Matthew chapter seven. In fact, if you got your Bibles turned there, this is a great little passage. Matthew chapter seven. Jesus says this, Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey, it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand, and when the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Jesus essentially says this, if you listen to the words that I say, and you follow what God is speaking, you will find that when the difficult times come, you'll stand. When the storm is over, you still have a house. But if you chase the other voices of truth and you listen and let the winds erode your thinking and let your foundation be on people with hearsay. Listen, many of the ideas in our culture, many of the things that are tweeted, many of the things that people Snapchat about, things that are put on on Facebook or put on on a meeting, many of those things are good ideas in the moment, but none of those people would die for you. They have their moment in the sun. They get popular for a second, but it comes and it goes away. And if you found your faith, your actions, your beliefs on those temporary things, you will discover that your whole house gets blown down in the time of calamity. There are philosophies that sound great when the sun is shining and everything is going great. But then when the rains come, it comes down. We can, friends, build our house on bedrock. We can handle the floods and the wind and the rains. A life that is based on the Bible is a life that lasts. Being rooted in the scripture gives you the ability to be firm and secure in every stage of life. See, the word is real and it works in 2017 because it's alive. It's alive. Hebrews chapter four, verse 12 says this, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. I love this because it's alive. It's mean, it's, it's relevant. It's close by. It has advantages for us if we would uh, take advantage of it in our real-time experiences. And not only that, but it sees into me. Sometimes I need the Bible to see into me. 
because I don't like who I'm becoming, or I don't like the attitude that came out of me, or I don't like those thoughts that I have. Why do I want to do what I shouldn't do? I have those moments, but when I read the word, it's as if it goes in like surgery and it cuts out those things that are like cancers to my body and it removes them and it replaces it with life-giving uh, uh, nourishment from heaven that I can only get from the word of God. Can I get an amen? The word is alive and we need it. And it's not just on Sunday morning, but I need it on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. I need it the rest of the week. The word is truth to the one who reads it. Your lamp, word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path, the psalmist said. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear, Jesus said in Matthew. I love the promise of Isaiah 40. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands what? forever. There's no expiration date on it. It's still just as relevant now as it ever was. The word will provide us faith. When you lack faith and you're losing faith and you forgot why you believe what you believe and you read the word, it's what Romans 10, 17 says, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You want to know how you gain faith? It's through the word. It's not just by listening to me preach or, or coming to church, but it's by you reading the word. And when you read the word, you'll discover that you find Jesus because Jesus is the word. John chapter 1 verse 14, so the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Jesus is the living word. It was as if all of the Old Testament pointed forward to Jesus. And then Jesus shows up as the fulfillment of the Old Testament. And as he shows up, he declares the truth. And he himself spoke from the word. He used at least 22 Old Testament books in his quotes and his speeches when he talked on his time on the earth. And if you really want to know Jesus, you will read the word yourself. He is the way, the truth and the life. You know how people uh, in banks, how they train tellers to determine what's a counterfeit and what's real? They send them to school to study the real thing for weeks and weeks. Because if you know it so well, when the counterfeit pops up, you'll notice the counterfeit. You and I have got to learn the truth of the word or we won't even recognize counterfeits. It awakens us to what we're really seeing. It becomes a real thing, practically speaking. We must seek to know God's word and include, him, include the word in our daily lives. We need to read the word. Our founding pastor used to say, you should read the word from Genesis to Revelation every January to December. And he had pound that for decades in our church. But we became a church where people actually read the word. We've got Bible reading guides in the lobbies and we're, we believe in reading the word. Well, listen, I don't care who you are, or what age you are, or how spiritually mature or immature you are. Every one of us needs the word. Nobody's better than that. Nobody's good on their own. We need the word. And there are times that we forget that. This uh, two weeks ago, I went to the doctor and they took vials of blood from me. And uh, one after the other, you know, 
And then Wednesday, I went in for the doctor appointment where they gave me the results. And they went through seat after seat after seat, and they can tell me what I really ate and what I didn't eat. They knew all the bad stuff and all the good stuff, okay? And uh, you're healthy here. Ooh, you're not so, you're not a good trajectory here. Thankfully, I'm not in trouble yet. You know how doctors say that. Uh, If you eat the right thing, if you take this out of your diet, if you add in the right things, you'll be okay. So for me, I know I need to make a change. I need to make a health change. I got a nutrition plan that they've given me and I've got to make some changes so I'll be healthy later on. But I also discovered that 90% of heart patients who have heart disease that are given a plan to eat different and change their habits don't. 90%. What is that about us? We may know we need the truth, but that doesn't mean we're gonna change. Friends, if you want to beat the devil, you got to change. You got to read the word. Can I get an amen? You got to read the word. We need to learn to meditate on it every day. For the Jew, the word was to be memorized and revered. They would write it. They'd actually put it on their clothes. They'd recite the word of God. For the New Testament church, the word was studied and leaned on. It wasn't secondary. It was really important. And by the way... All of those people that read, they didn't all read like we read today. They heard the word taught. The word was read aloud. People learned it by hearing it. Some of you that have a difficulty reading, that's not an obstacle. You can read nowadays. There's all kinds of options. You can get the Bible on audio. You can get it. Uh, um, you get the U version app on your phone, and you can download it. You can go online, and you can get it. You can get it on tapes, on a track I'm just kidding. You can get the Bible so many different ways, okay? And you can listen to the word. It's a lot better than listening to some podcast that some expert somewhere has got or just, why don't you just listen to the word? It's, it's the bedrock place of truth. You can listen to it, you can read it. But when you do look at the Bible, you need to ask yourself, what does the passage say that I'm reading? What does it mean and how does it apply to me? And ask that question. If you don't know, you can ask somebody that's maybe further along and more studied in the word. You can go online now, lots of tools that are available, but you want to apply it. James says this, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise you are only fooling yourselves. Don't just be hearers only, but you've got to do the word. Turn to the person next to you and say, you gotta do the word. You could read lots of things. There's different versions out there. I preach out of the New Living Translation, the NLT, every Sunday. And the reason I chose that, it's the most understandable. It's connected. It's close to the original in the sense that it's a translation versus a version. A version is not as close as a translation is to the original. But you could still listen, read. Some of you cut your teeth on the NIV. And that's what you got everything memorized in. I get it. That's me, actually. I grew up with the NIV. You can find a Bible that fits you, okay? And you can do what only you can do with it. You can read it. You can listen to it. You can make it a part of your life. But you can also memorize it. And memorization of scripture is a big deal. I've got some kids that are here with me today. Why don't you guys come on up? And uh, yeah, give it up. We've got Christian, Ellie, Preston, and El... And uh, Ellie, 
and they're coming up and they are all from JBQ. This is a program. Oh, you're not. Well, see, you don't even have to be in JBQ to memorize scripture, do you? But the program that we have called JBQ is all about junior Bible quiz, it's called, training kids to memorize the word. We have it on Wednesday nights. It runs during the school year. And uh, we'll have another session that will be going in the fall if you want to get your kids involved. Um, But these kids have memorized the word of God and they'll challenge you on it. So I want to go through each one. What's your name? Christian. Christian, what's your verse? John 3, 16 through 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Come on, somebody. What's your name? I'm Ellie, and my verse is Romans 8, 38 through 39. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Woo! What's your name? Preston. Preston, what's your verse? First Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken me except what, no, you, except what has come to mankind. And yeah. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you could bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Come on. <laughs> and your, what's your name? Ellie. And Ellie, what's your verse? Um, Philippians 4, 8. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Philippians 4, 8. Oh, my goodness. Would you give it up for these kids? They're amazing. Now, kids can memorize scripture. Why can't we memorize scripture? Take your bulletins back out. I've got a tear off today. For everyone has a memory verse this week. And we're going to have one for each of our services, each of our messages, this series. And uh, by the way, if you base your life on truth and you believe in it, that's what your actions will show. If you grew up, and your, acts, your beliefs are based in emotion or reactions or hurt, you will ride the wave of your emotions the rest of your life. But if you can learn to go the route of the Bible, when you're emotional, you can go to the Word to tell you what's really true. It's like a pilot flying through the clouds that doesn't know where up is from down. They have to look at their dash. They have to see their gauges to determine where they need to be. You and I, our word, the word of God, as it's hidden in our heart, will help us. Here we go. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. I want you to say it out loud with me. Ready? All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. This is a great scripture to base our whole series on. 
Because if we're wanting to find truth in a sea of fake news, we've got to have the word in our heart. We've got to have it near to us. In fact, the scripture says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. There's a promise that comes if we know the word, it helps us in the stories that are ahead of us. The word will grow us and to purify us and strengthen us and help fight for us. When Jesus faced temptations in the wilderness from Satan, he did not respond with good ideas or back off. He responded with the word of God. And this is what he said. Luke 4, 4, Jesus answered to each request. It is written, man does not live on bread alone. Luke 4, 8, Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Luke 4, 12, Jesus answered, it says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. No matter what stage of your journey, the word of God will help you just as it helped Jesus. He responded with the word and the word will help you respond to the temptations of the enemy of your soul. When you have it inside of you and you speak it out, it fights for you. When down is up and up is down, everything seems screwed up in your world. The Bible will help you discover the truth of the matter. In a world of fake news and unreliable sources, the best thing a person, a marriage, a family, a company can do is turn to the word of God. And when you face circumstances in life, and I'd like our worship teams to come on each of our campuses now, when we face circumstances, when we are troubled at work, in our family, when we've got a, our body telling us something, we need to ask ourselves not, what do I see, what do I feel, freak out, let's go on a downward spiral, but ask yourself this, what does the word say? When I'm sick, what does the word say? That by his stripes we are healed. When I'm in grief, what does the word say? Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I won't fear because you're with me. When I'm feeling lonely, I can trust what the word says that Jesus said, lo, I will be with you always. I'm never alone as long as I'm with him. When we trust and know the word, it has a way of growing us in our faith. Everything that I preach, anything that you hear online, other preachers, other leaders, whatever I preach should still be measured against the word. Don't just take it on my account. You need to actually read it to begin to discover the truth for yourself. And when you do, you'll discover what 2,000 plus years of people have discovered. It never fades. It never withers. It never gives up. It's still, it's still relevant in 2017. God has what you need in his word. Can I get an amen? He has exactly what you need. And friends, I'll tell you what, I can see your actions and know what you believe in. But if you begin to shift your focus towards the word of God and you can discover, if I believe in the word, my actions will be more wor like the word. I'll become more godly if I follow him. Today, I want us to focus in on a hunger for the word of God. Would you stand with me?